The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Your trusted source for news and analysis about Chicago White Sox prospects and player development, covering the Major League Baseball draft and international market, plus the action in Kannapolis, Winston-Salem, Birmingham, and Charlotte. This is the Future Sox Podcast with your hosts, Mike Rankin and James Fox. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future Sox Podcast. My name is Mike Rankin. I'll be your host, James Fox, alongside us as well today. A special guest from the Chicago White Sox organization, Devin DeYoung, hitting instructor. He spent all of his time in Arizona this year, which means we get to pick his brain about a lot of the young talent the White Sox are employing now in their organization. Devin, thanks for jumping on with us again. It's been a little over a year, I believe, since the last time we talked to you on this podcast. What's changed since you got to the White Sox to the point where you are now in your career? Uh, Not much. I was in a similar, similar role. We've definitely made some changes in our our hitting department and philosophy um but that's that's really it we're really excited to get your opinion on some of the young talent obviously that had just joined the organization in year one but Andy Barquette joined the team the White Sox and he is the minor league hitting coordinator for the organization what's it like working with Andy and how can you explain some of the changes that he's implemented that you've seen result in positive growth Andy's great. He um, he's done a really good job of uh, having a consistent message. He likes to use the phrase that we put some guardrails on the guys by uh, using the middle of the field. We're definitely starting to speak consistent language. Uh, he's done a really good job at scaling some of the the drills that that we know work. And he's also done a really good job with uh, incorporating the measurables too. And that's kind of where I come into play. I'll say like, you know, you've been around for, for a bit now. And I think this is maybe the first year where I noticed like some of the big time growth with some of the prospects, like some of the numbers, you know, like just at high A and double A, right. And you got guys like Brian Ramos and Oscar Colas and these guys having good years and, you know, Lenin Sosa and then Romy Gonzalez last year into this year. So do you think some of that is like some of the hitting changes you guys have made organizationally, you've, you've kind of seen that take off a little bit this past season. Yeah, that's definitely a piece of it. There's also 
you know, these, a lot of these guys got a chance to repeat a level and kind of get a second chance at it. You know, for instance, uh, DJ Gladney is a good example where he got a second opportunity at the level and over the off season, he, he really dialed into who he wanted to be, uh, what his identity is, what his intentions were. And, uh, a lot of our guys got that opportunity and, uh, as a staff, we're just really there to to assist, and um, the consistent message definitely helps. Devin, when you were on our previous episode of the podcast a little over a year ago, like we talked about, you mentioned DJ Gladney, and you talked about biomechanics when referencing Gladney. And the last time we talked, you mentioned that you worked just a small tweak in his stance where you brought his foot, I think it was his back foot in a little bit to create a little bit more balance, a little bit more consistency in his swing path. That's an example of some of the the tangible elements that you're able to implement and diagnose as a hitting coordinator and an instructor within the organization. Now you talk about an up the middle approach. How is it when you're working with someone who maybe comes from an international class who is so used to being a free swinger or somebody who dominated in their college ranks, being someone who was never overpowered. And then you take, you see the jump that they're making to professional baseball. You know, it's uh, there, there's a lot of elements to, to creating a hitter or helping a hitter develop into a performer and at, at the minor league level. And then uh, let alone a big leaguer, there's even more, but a, a lot of times you see uh these guys value output and don't necessarily have a routine that will keep them under control when the environment is stressful. So, you know, our job is to, is to help them develop a routine that'll, that'll keep them under control and physical at the same time. And that's why a big piece of the development, at least I believe, is throughout the organization we're introducing more challenging practice. As an organization, we believe that the practice environment is what does most of the development. And our job as coaches and instructors is to help guide them through that, that challenge and help guide them, help design the practice as well. You know, cause there's kind of a sweet spot. Is it, is, is this player in uh, a phase in their development where they need to be fed some fastballs. Uh, is he beyond that phase? Uh, does the player's personality thrive off of the challenge? Uh, does the player want routine? Does the player want to feel a move? So we, we're kind of blending all those things and we're, we're getting closer and closer, I believe. Devin, somebody that really kind of burst out of the prospect scene last year, Romy Gonzalez, you know, Sox fans saw him in Chicago prior to that. You know, he had a he had a tough year in the minors with a lot of injuries that have been well documented on his way back to the majors. He came through Arizona. You got a chance to work with him. What was uh, what was that experience like for you? Man, he was uh, he was a breath of fresh air for uh, the young guys. He's the ultimate professional. He helped me. Uh, with the young players. He helped me with a lot of the young Latin players because he's bilingual. He also helped uh, with the sense like, hey guys, he knows what he's talking about. You know, I use them. <laughs> so uh, 
yeah, he's he spent the season going through some some battles and with, with his health, and then he was finally ready to go. And uh, he rehabbed in Arizona when he was ready to to play. We, we kind of ran him through our our new testing process and found one piece of low hanging fruit. He's he's a really good mover. He knows his body really well, so it was a really easy transition. You know, he, he was able to comprehend how to make a change, and he said he he felt ready to go right away. So um, he he felt the swing that he was trying to feel, and uh, it it showed as soon as he got in games, and the guy hit like five bombs in five games, and it showed showed the young rookie ball guys what a big leaguer was, and uh, he went on his way and kept performing. So yeah, I mean that that was that was a really good experience, not only. Uh, for me as a coach, for for the young players around him, for him to set an example of what a professional is, uh, he can do that better than I can as a coach. And I, I definitely saw once he left, uh, I saw the professionalism raise at the rookie ball level. Yeah. So, I mean, somebody else that we, you know, we always get questions about is Colson Montgomery. Obviously, he didn't spend you know, too long, I guess, in Arizona last year after he was drafted. Anything about Colson Montgomery's big season this year surprised you? Oh, man, he uh, he was just being Colson. <laughs> the guy has uh, some characteristics that, that we try to teach. That's a big piece of the reason he was uh, he was drafted so high. And, uh, you know, his, his pitch selection is really good. His bat-to-ball skills are there. I mean, the, the guy's just a, a pure hitter and, you know, he's just going through the levels, even like a pretty developed 20 year old kid. Something that's curious to us is the incorporation of the talent pool in Birmingham together to finish out the season. Now, just curious your perspective as an evaluator and as an instructor, you recognize that at this point of those specific players who were a part of Project Birmingham, it felt like they could handle themselves. What's the significance of a player that's never seen double A being around their peers, around the same skill set, and being challenged like that? What do you think the outcome of that experience can be for players? I think what what we all hope is going to happen is uh, they get a taste of what's coming and they can prepare. So uh, a lot of conversations that I've had with the guys that were there, um, and it was definitely a push for for some of the guys. But you know, a big big reason for it was to get those prospects together and uh, get them exposed to what's next. And a lot of the conversations with those guys, they've come back with realizations about themselves and what uh, the next level of pitching is going to attack them with. Um, how they're how they're gonna expose them, as far as uh, you know, maybe some of the guys were swinging out of zone a little bit, and they kept throwing it out of zone. So I think a lot of these guys are gonna go into the off season with uh, a game plan on controlling their responses in the box, and uh, they're definitely up for challenging themselves over the off season with like variable machine and and uh, practicing at bats as opposed to just practicing the swing. I just thought it was a great idea by the organization because it challenges players and there's really no downside to it. Maybe people can 
can say that maybe it stunts development because they're so overmatched, but you talk about just like a month's worth and you're not overpowered because you're not playing all the time and every day. I mean, the roster was filled. So there were incremental you know, breaks in between, but I'm just curious on the information that you're receiving. For example, during your time in, you know, the frontier league, independent baseball, you're doing a lot of self-scouting, writing it down, creating trends just based on what you're seeing on how pitchers approach hitters. But now you can have a machine or video allow you to break down a swing in a specific count. I I just would love for you to expand on the technology age that we're in right now in baseball and how it's helped you as a coach to hone your skills to help make players better. Yeah. You know, the, the way I personally approach it is uh, I'm constantly developing as a coach and trying to be very aware of what's useful, what's overwhelming what's practical. And, uh, for instance, we've, as an organization, we've scaled back, uh, how much we're doing and, uh, really trying to find the things that, that are important for us as an organization where we're at currently. And, uh, our coaching staffs have done a really good job at relaying that message. Um, when we decide something is, is valuable, but yeah, back, back in independent ball, you had to get really creative and uh the beauty of it is it's it's kind of a pure game and uh one small advantage can become a, a big advantage at the level that we're at everybody has has access to this information and it's kind of how you use it so uh we're we're really kind of trying to funnel the information into simplicity and give uh, simple messages based off of very in-depth uh, diving and research. And we're, we're trying to make sure that we're accurate when we give them information, but we're also not afraid to give them information. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. So one of the, you know, one of the other guys that had a big year, I mentioned him earlier, Lenin Sosa, made it all the way up to the majors. You know, I don't want to say that it was uncharacteristic. I think he caught a lot of people by surprise with like some of the power numbers. He's always been, you know, a pretty good hitter for a guy that was super young for level. Is there anything that you can pinpoint or go back to just as that, you know, as maybe some of the reasons why Sosa had such a good year and why he's really kind of burst onto the prospect scene a little bit. Um, He's always been a really solid player. I think he just, um, 
he, he just really started to dive in and understand himself a little better and uh, create consistency for himself. Uh, I know he bought into a couple of the drills uh, for his routine that Andy gave. And on top of that, just working with Charlie Romero in double A, uh, Charlie's the, the caballo whisperer. Um, he, he just, he creates hitters, especially the, the young Latin guys with talent. He's like a father figure to those guys and, and really guides them and keeps them rational in moments where they're maybe going off the deep end. Uh, they're struggling. So he's right there to kind of whisper in their ear and calm them down and get them back on track. You know, he, he was really good for Popeye, too, but he's kind of a, a hidden gem in our organization, Charlie Romero. So, you know, it seems interesting, like what you do being in Arizona, especially now with the draft as late as it is, you know, you kind of get like this super young team to start. Lots of guys haven't played stateside before. Right. And then all of a sudden you get imported all these college guys and maybe they don't stay for long, but you get them for a little bit. So can you just touch a little bit on like, I think Jacob Burke, super interesting. Jordan Sprinkle was there for not long. Uh, Brooks Baldwin, and then maybe anybody else you want to mention from this year's draft class, some of those guys that they brought into the system, you know, kind of late. Rookie ball now is a completely different animal, in my opinion. You know, you, you essentially have like two waves of the season and you'll have completely different teams. Second half, you can you can almost bet on it. You're absolutely right. We we have young Latin guys that it's their first experience stateside. A lot of times we're just honing in on them being professionals and uh, learning how to operate within professional baseball stateside and then uh, helping them develop routines that work for them. Uh, and then all of a sudden the draft happens and you got this enormous team and a mixed bag. And um, it's definitely... In my opinion, it's a good thing uh, because Arizona can get very monotonous with no fans, tot. So uh, young players can can have an excuse. But when when you have uh, a group of seasoned college guys come in and they're high energy in the heat, kind of becomes a spark spark plug for the for the rest of the group. So it's it's always it's always fun to watch because you know it's coming when. You're kind of in the, the dead part of the season. And then you're like, well, these draft guys are about to come in. And then all of a sudden we have energy again. Um, so it's pretty funny. But uh, Jacob Burke is definitely, he's an exciting player to me. He's definitely a performer. His personality is very grinder mentality. Um, Jordan Sprinkle is a pretty put together player. Apparently he's a, you know, this isn't my department. This is Newman's department, but apparently he's uh pretty good with the glove and uh he's definitely flashed some serious ability with his bat as far as the measurables he's done some impressive things and then uh just in game he he seems to to own the plate a little bit and seems to stick to his approach but he's he's very under control and we're we're kind of trying to get him to unleash a little bit but maintain uh his professional at bats Devin, we're really excited to have you on, and we love to hear you talk hitting. But I have to ask, because I can't help myself, we're really excited about Noah Schultz, and we're also excited that Tanner McDougal is back throwing. Uh, what's it like for your hitters facing those types of arms? What's the value in that? 
I mean, anytime you can face a premium arm, you should develop. <laughs> Once again, I'm, you know, I'm on the hitting side. Um, but uh, Noah Schultz is an electric arm. The first time I saw him throw, I was impressed with the way he filled up the zone and, uh, and drove through the zone. Apparently his slider is pretty good. And uh, he's as advertised, it seems like. He's an, he's an exciting young player, very professional, very focused on, on his work. And then uh, McDougal, is, this has been, you know, seems like a long time coming. This, his rehab process seemed to be pretty long, but it's definitely exciting to see him on the mound again. Uh, he's, you know, he's a serious arm for us. You know, a few of the guys that you might, you know, that you just had an instructional league that hadn't played stateside yet, you know, pretty highly regarded Eric Hernandez and Lloyd L. Chapei, we were told is, is how you say, you know, his name. And then like, you know, guys like Godwin Bennett, there's a whole bunch that you just got for the first time. Um, what are some of your impressions of those guys? And then maybe anybody from that sort of group that I didn't mention. Yeah, that, that young group is, is fun. They're really impressive. Ollie down in, in the Dominican did a really good job with those guys. They all seem to have a pretty decent approach at the plate for their age and level. It was, uh, it was definitely fun to watch. We just call him Chappy. Um, but uh, Chappelle is uh, he, he's a very uh, tight mover, I would say. So it's, you know, he, he doesn't have to do a lot in order to, to generate barrel speed. He's definitely an accelerator, so uh, he's he's pretty quick to the baseball. But yeah, he's uh, he's pretty clean on his reports, and you know we like his approach. But yeah, he's he's a really impressive player. Uh, I, I think he's going to be a high level player. Eric Hernandez is uh, he's got a lot of good things working in his bat. He just kind of has to develop and become a man. You know, we're we're waiting for him to to grow and then gauge. Crosgrove is uh, elite in the performance side. So uh, I know he's he's excited to get his hands on these young guys. Godwin Bennett is, you know, Andy keeps making the joke that he wants to uh, stop instructing and just be his agent. Um, so, but it, that kid's a really exciting player and uh, an unbelievable human. And uh, he, he really seems to be uh, driven to, to do this whole thing for his family in Nicaragua. Uh, the kid's got serious power. We're just, uh, we get to tame the Ferrari with him and let him, uh, just focus on squaring up baseballs and, and controlling his swing. And he does controlled at, uh, at a higher speed than most. Devin, this has been great. Last one for me and we'll let you go. We talk about the transition that this organization is seen from its minor league level after the top prospects graduated. And now we're seeing a lot of them at the big league level. For us at Future Sox, we love that there's consistency, especially now with Andy Barquette leading the way at the top. There, It seems like there's a consistent message. From your perspective, how do you feel like the information is being implemented and where do you see the organization going from here? What I really think we're trying to do is to scale simplicity and consistency. So for instance, uh, the report that, that we're starting to hand out and use in the cage is hand in hand with our common verbiage, our common teach that we use every day. Now we're able to 
pull up a report and say, this is what your back leg looks like. And we have it right away. We can problem solve with the player in the moment. And we're really speeding up the process of development, it seems like. I think uh, we're definitely doing a better job of making the data and the information less threatening and more applicable. Uh, We're trying to have it have the information quick and useful in the moment. And then uh, it also follows our, our general philosophies. You know, the other thing is moving on from that and making sure that mechanics aren't the only thing that we value. Um, and we're focused on approach, uh, path, direction. We're definitely moving towards dividing where our attention goes throughout the day and changing our values within the moment. So you know, our, our uh, performance work is, is with uh, the performance team and they hammer out movements. Our communication is better between hitting department and performance department. And we're continuing to grow that uh, so that these guys are capable to do what we're asking them to do in the cage. And then, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to keep that work short so that the next phase of our day is focused on being a competitor and staying within our limits and laying out a swings on good pitches and you know we can we can practice at bats as opposed to uh practice just the swing Devin, you're awesome really appreciate the time thanks for everything you know you said something there that made me think it seems like the athlete is different today when they get to this point in their career where you're at in rookie ball in the arizona league or coming over from the international class seems like they're advanced already because of how bodies have changed and evolved, but also because of the way that you're able to implement your teachings. There's, I think, a lot of optimism in development now, especially with the way the White Sox are structured. So keep doing your thing. We really appreciate everything that you do for us at Future Sox, and it's a lot of fun watching uh, the players that you cover and develop grow. So thank you for everything. Thank you. That's Devin Young of the Chicago White Sox hitting instructor. You can follow him at DeYoungDevin on Twitter. Stay with us. Every week we have a Future Sox podcast for you. I drop in Tuesday, just like this one right here, for James Fox and Devin DeYoung. My name is Mike Rankin. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time.